At Repromed, we know every fertility journey is different. That's why our world-class specialists offer personalised treatments with compassionate care. With clinics nationwide and a new location in Cork, our consultant-led teams provide the fertility expertise to give you the best chance of success. Start your fertility journey at repromed.ie Water is a part of all of our lives. At EWT Water, we want to ensure your water is at its best for you. Removing 100% of limescale and harmful chemicals from the water in your home. Let us clean your drinking water and offer you soft water from washing your hair to your clothes. With a €1 deposit, your water can be perfect for you and your family. Visit our website today at ewtwater.ie to remove 100% limescale from your home. EWT, the perfect customer experience every time. They've got so many attacking flair players who want to see end-to-end, almost a bit like the Gaelic you watch. It's not really like that, you know. You've got a score because you know that they're going to. For the best Euro 2020 coverage, subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast and download the OTB Sports app. The OTB Podcast Network with Get Set Go. Black box car insurance lets young drivers bounce past high-cost premiums. Drive safe and save more with GetSetGo.ie. Hello folks, you're very welcome along to episode 8 of the Football Pod. And I'm in a very good mood, I've got Paddy Andrews with me, I've got Andy Moran with me. We're all dressed the same, we haven't got some sort of fashion designer in with us. Just a good <laughs> summer weather. Uh, Paddy's got his tan the last couple of weeks. Andy, you got sorted at the weekend, you're looking well. Yeah, not bad, West Clare, Tommy. You're yeah. near the kill the woods. Were you, were you in the Atlantic? Did you dip the toe into the sea? No, no, I'm not a waterman at all. I was uh, up the cliffs of Moher yesterday, I'm a walker more than a swimmer, do you know? Lovely. Did the clip some more. So you're a walker more than a swimmer, but you only did Crow Patrick for the first time last summer. It's a new addiction, man. It's a okay. new addiction. I uh, just, uh, I'm gone into cycling now as well. So it's just uh, new ways to get myself out of the gym. I, I made a complete mess of my week last week. I hopped onto the bike for the first time in uh, 2021 and I did 60 kilometers. And I, I'd, I'd say I pulled a muscle because of it then later in the week. Like, so just go easy on the bike. Don't be going too hard. What, age, what, about- age, you, what age are you, Tommy? 28. Yeah, late, late, late 20s. You have to mind yourself, man. Yeah, the little niggas are kicking in. Any niggas yeah. at the weekend, Paddy? You made your much vaunted comeback for Bridget's. Oh. It was a huge crowd inside the Hans Park. <laughs> they were, they were got to sell tickets outside, breaking restrictions. Uh, it's gas, Andy. Do you know what? I, I've actually done a bit of training in the last three or four months, kind of since retiring. Every single bit of training I could do, other than GAA. <laughs> it was cycling. Cycling out to Holt with the lads, cycling out to Clontarf, kind of going swimming in the sea that you mentioned it there, back playing a bit of soccer and kind of loving just the different side of things, mm-hmm. training. And I went back and I thought it'd be reasonably fit. I thought it'd be all right. I'd only played a half. I hadn't been down training with the club. So we're playing um, Clontarf and St. Anne's Park. And sure enough, we come on at halftime and Mar- end up marking Jack McCaffrey. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. What a first game back. And... Little bit rusty. We were a couple of points down, and the first ball I got uh, got a bit of space, and didn't realise it was him coming over the tackle. So I tried to dummy solo, nearly took about another two or three discs out of my lower back. Jack McCaffrey takes the ball off me, and as he's taking it off me, he's actually laughing in my face, <laughs> and he takes off then. So that was my welcome back to GAA after what seven seven months since I last played. Like so, very stiff. Only thirty minutes, and it was in bits. Just a totally different type of training you've been doing. Yeah, so I couldn't you, walk for about two days. Did yeah. you win? We drew. 
Okay. I brushed, I brushed off the cobwebs. I got four points in the end. Now, ah, look so. at burying the lead. Yeah, Paddy. yeah, they're, they're, they're still so, a little bit in there. So There's basically, what, he, what, what he's saying to us, Tommy, there in a weird way, he was American Jack Mack. Yeah. Jack Mack has never played for Dublin again. That's what Paddy's just That's, that's, that's the headline. Neither of us are going back. No chance. That's the headline we're rolling with. Okay, well, listen, I, I mentioned I was in a good mood. The reason I was in a good mood was that I wasn't really looking forward to this podcast. I was coming what? in this, morning, this evening and I was thinking, how am I going to talk to Paddy Andrews after he said that he much prefers the Euros rather than the GAA and we're <laughs> doing a bloody Gaelic football podcast every week? I'm only messing. It's been absolutely ridiculous the last couple of nights. Now, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so you'll be hearing this usually on, on a Wednesday morning. We're just off the back of that boar fest with England. We're not going to talk about that. Mm. But Paddy Andrews started this recording by singing It's Coming Home. <laughs> Would you back them? Would you back them? It's opened up. I think they're doing it. Yeah, maybe. The way it's padded out, it's nearly the same as the World Cup. Should be the easiest draw in the World Cup, and they still couldn't win it. So, um, I think it's interesting just seeing their uh, like the airplane. They're so boring to watch. When you're watching two games last night, obviously the Spain game and then the French game was unbelievable. But England are just they're so dour. But that's probably what they need to do to win a tournament. They've never really played like that. Southgate deserves serious credit, I think, because he. There's so much talent there and a weaker manager, I think, could try and play all the lads and kind of pander to the crowd and to the English media and stuff like that. But he seems to be, he just has his game plan and it's horrendously boring to watch. I don't know if I tune into them at the weekend, more so than the other games. But yeah, they're, they're going to be in the mix, I think. Andy, I'm not going to ask you because you were on your holidays the weekend, so I can't imagine you're watching any soccer, never mind the GEA. But surely you got to see a bit of Mayo. Oh, did you have seen the whole, uh, well, Everything barred the last 15 minutes in the old game. Um, we did a little Centenary Cup, which is the divisional game here that evening, so we had to leave it. But yeah, it was um, great from the Mayo point of view. They, like, they did everything the, uh, you'd expect them to do. The result went the way we expected it to be. But like Paddy's tweet, I think, kind of summed it up, I think, for everyone, if I'm being honest. Um, it was it, it was. Like you can't fault me at all, but like the the three main games at the weekend were were were, were poor, not poor fair because but Donegal, Kerry, and Mayo went to the performance levels we expect from them. It's just that they're nothing playing against them. Yeah, sixteen points, nineteen points. Was it eighteen points? Like it. I watched all three of them and uh, tried to learn little bits and pieces, but like it's it, it's hard really like to know what you're actually reading into these games. And that's one of the reasons why I wasn't really looking forward to this week. I was like, what are we going to talk about? And then Frankie Dolan comes along and pours petrol on the whole championship. He lit a flame. He, he got that spark Is he a guest? Going. We need he to get him on as a guest. On, on the breakfast show OTBM this morning. He's promoting his book outside the right. I'll, I'll give him a little plug there. And uh, listen, he, he's got a gripe to burn, Paddy. I don't know if you heard the piece this morning, but uh, look, at, to give a bit of context, a Mayo man rolled into Roscommon 16 years ago, John Mohan. And I've had texts off family from Roscommon today and friends in Roscommon. They said that Mohan set Roscommon football back a decade in 2005 because he walked in and he dropped Frankie Dolan, Shane Curran, Francie Grehan, Mick Ryan and Nigel Deneen. And uh, well, Frankie hasn't forgotten it. It's in the book. It's in the podcast. And uh, he had a cut this morning, Andy. And who better to ask about the Mayo-Roscommon rivalry then Andy Moore, a man, a man who actually, I actually, I, Paddy, I'll be honest. I actually had a look at the geographical location of Balnadrine today, just to be sure where we were. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to explain all of that, Andy. All I'll say is that I have the original map 
of where Balladrine is located, hanging on my hall. So it's, have you uh, actually? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> it's yeah. a sticky. It's a sticky point, though, isn't it? Like there is. Ah, it, is a, it is a sticky point, but it, it it was a funny one on Frankie. Like it's uh, like he painted all my old people with the with the brush of John Mahon. Um, John is a great guy. He's a he's a character though, and like he's um, like he's an outstanding manager. He's still going. What that was two thousand and four. He was mentioning. And in 2021, he's still clipping along and uh, taking on Mickey Hart and Jack O'Connor. It's like rolling back the years. But I was surprised with Frankie's little outburst this morning. I thought it was uh, <laughs> a bit bizarre. Like the, the rivalry was common is very funny in Mayo. Like for me, it is the biggest rivalry. It was always the game I wanted to play. Always the one that meant more to me than everything else. But outside our town, it's it's not the it's not the rivalry for Mayo people. It's, it, it's, it's a funny one, you know? Just to give a bit of context to people, is it just because... Balladrine is, you know, as, as I read a piece earlier on, the streets are swept by the Roscommon County Council. It sits four miles inside the, mm. the county of Roscommon. Yeah. Obviously, there's an historical context to it. You can go and read about it. Back in 1898, the, the borders are redrawn. We don't really know why, Paddy. Apparently, uh, the town owned the, the Mayo County Council a bit of money and they redrew it. And they played yeah. the Roscommon Championship in 1899. But after that, they didn't they want us. They didn't want us. They threw us out. But they, 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 like we started in Mayo, went to went to the Rus Common Championship. They threw us out, so Mayo took us back in. Right. So we stayed okay. where we were since. But like growing up, we'd have done community games in Rus Common. We'd have played soccer for Rus Common. We'd have you know, everything else was Rus Common. You vote in Rus Common. You do. Um, it's great actually when they ask you to run for election. You say you can't run anywhere, you know, because <laughs> you wouldn't get a vote either side of the border. So it's great. But you do everything like. But in Balladrine. It is the big rivalry, but outside you span into me. Oh, the big rivalry in there is uh, is Galway. And what surprised me most about Frankie was he lives in Atlow, like he lives like Kiltoom, which is right beside Atlow, but he's nowhere near me. Oh. And I'm just thinking, this is a bit bizarre, you know. And then he mentions Connor Morton, Trevor Morton, where I can imagine the abuse and the crack then three boys had between each other. But the Ma- I can see Mahan strutting into the dressing room, right? And I can, but to base all your Mayo context on that is a bit bizarre, particularly when you have Lean McHale, Kevin McStay, who literally come from a stone's throw away from where John Mahan. So they're from Ballinard, John Mahan is from Cross Malina, and basically. It, they're neighbouring clubs, like so. It's uh, and there were two of my own men that brought Bridges to the uh, yeah. the All Ireland Club title. So it, it was a bizarre yeah, one. And then on top of that, like when the uh, the manager's job comes up in Roscommon, like Frankie is going to be very very close to the top of that list to get that job. So is it he? was just yeah. So there was a really yeah, he's, he's kind coaching of, around Bridges and he's he's oh, yeah, been build, yeah. building his his palette over the last couple of years. But yeah, uh, so th- there was a real kind of. He, uh, sound, he sounds like he'd be a great man to have in the media. So yeah, yeah. He, he actually <laughs> well, lined it up, Paddy. He actually yeah, lined yeah. it up. He said he said wouldn't it be great to be on the line for Offaly Viewers Common next year? That's what next he said. Summer, That's against man. Yeah, against just, just to give him up. Just to give a bit of context to what Frankie said, he said, <clears throat> people don't realise the rivalry between Roscommon and Mayo. We hate each other. Mayo have that arrogance. And I don't mind saying it because I'm great friends with a couple of ex-Mayo footballers. You mentioned the two Mortimers. And they know how I feel about them. Great footballers, but Mayo have an arrogance and they think they're entitled to win this and that. And he went on to rubbish the curse and say that, uh, you know, the fans are always blaming the curse and uh, that's why they couldn't beat Dublin and so on and so forth. Paddy, can I ask you a question? Yeah. When you were going for one in a row and two in a row and three in a row and four in a row and five in a row and six in a row and seven in a row and the narrative was all about Mayo. Did that ever annoy you? 
No, and uh, we were we were pretty good at just not getting involved in that stuff at all. Like, and, and that was like you have to remember probably maybe before Dublin were really successful, kind of after they won the All Ireland in '95, and then there was a huge gap there of not being successful in Mead and Kildare were the dominant teams in, in, in Leinster. Dublin were really struggling. And there would, would have been this accusation from maybe around the country and, and maybe leveled at, at the Dublin teams during that time, but they were getting distracted and they were getting caught up in, in silly things that were taken away from their performance. And, you know, the Dublin GAA, there's always a huge, the Dublin footballers, there's always huge media coverage of them, whether, whether it's successful or like, like say, 10, 15 years ago, where they weren't as successful. It was always a story. And, and there would have been a, a challenge labelled at, at the Dublin team that, those things were having a negative influence on us that we were more concerned about maybe the image or, or we weren't getting the best out of ourselves or, you know, there wasn't, we weren't consistent challengers to win the All-Ireland. So Pat Gilroy kind of set in motion an idea of just getting rid of all the distractions and all the stuff outside of, of, of living in the capital and all the distractions that come with that and the media coverage and just saying, look, we're not good enough to be, to warrant that type of coverage. We haven't, performed our record isn't good enough over the past 10 years to justify that the only way you'll get what you deserve is by focusing on the pitch and Pat kind of set that culture change in motion and then Jim Gavin kind of came on and, and took it to another level and I suppose one of the, the few times where maybe we were distracted as a team and we we got complacent and we started letting outside noise affect us was was after we won the All-Ireland in 13 and, and we, we lost that game to Donegal because we were unbackable favourites and, and there's no doubt looking back and, and I'm sure players have touched on this from that game that we were probably a bit complacent because we, we were believing the hype and we were believing the stuff in the media so we got very, very good we learned a harsh lesson of just blocking all of that stuff out and whether we were playing Mayo over the years or, or big games against Kerry and the All-Ireland final and things like that Honestly, like lots of players say they don't read the media and they're not on Twitter and stuff like that. We, I know a lot of our guys weren't. We just didn't get involved in it at all. So whether Mayo's curse or, mm. or Mayo were trying to win the All-Ireland for the first time in so long or we were going for two or three in a row or going for five in a row, we just completely, completely blanked that out. That's ha- hand on heart. Lots of people say that after the fact, but, but we never, ever spoke about that. It was never brought up. And, and we, we might touch on it. it Later on in the pod, where we're going to talk about Dublin's preparation for playing a game against Wexford this weekend, mm. where they're unbackable favourites. I know for a fact what their preparation will be going into that and the focus they'll have going into that. But that, that's why the, the Mayo thing and all Ireland finals and going for two or three in a row, we never, ever, ever listened to any of that stuff or got caught up in that. It just wasn't, we knew it wasn't going to help us on the pitch. And that takes a discipline to do that and it takes experience because, like, see, we fucked it up for want of a better word against Donegal yep. in 14 so we learned the lessons from that so, so Mayo's story was really not I don't mean this in any derogatory but it was completely irrelevant to us we, we didn't care if they were trying to win one or, or this curse or any of that nonsense mm. we, we, we were just focusing on well, how are we going to beat Mayo and how are we going to perform and that was it so yeah and that was the same as us, Paddy. It like it's the it's it's like we did like in two thousand four six. Like we absolutely got caught up in the mantra of the crack and the buzz and the mess. <laughs> and the, the and that, that was just the time. It was the team. Mm. But once it, it got to twelve, thirteen, um, you know, sixteen, seventeen. Like 
you weren't caught up in that. Like you were a mature team, you kind of just built on it. But the story is always going to be about Mayo and Mayo get to the finals because of the length of time we went yeah. without winning one. And the story mm. this year, if Kerry play Dublin in the final, is going to be about Kerry. Do you know because mm. like outside Dublin, it's it, it, it's 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 um you know, it's, it, it, it is different, like, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it kind of, like, Dublin have six All-Irelands in a row. Like, for once, it's justified that everyone wants to see a different winner here now, Bear Dublin, because... Makes <laughs> it interesting. We need to see a different... You know, <laughs> everyone is shouting for, for Staffan in the, in the Formula 1 because someone wants to see someone else winning, you know? But the, the, the thing I would take exception with the, the Frankie bit would be the arrogance. Like, arrogance to me isn't a team turning up in really good shape, maximizing their potential and trying to take down the best team. That's not arrogance to me, but that's preparation. That's coming back in January, like Paddy said in previous pods, in good shape so that you can go and train. Arrogance to me is turning up in bad shape and expecting to be good enough to play. That's arrogant. And like this nonsense to talk about arrogance and expecting to win. Expecting to win when you're not fit is one thing. When you've done the work, you've put in the preparation, you've worked over seven or eight years. And if you come up short, you come up short. That's not being arrogant. If Mayo supporters blame a ref or anything like that, that's such as life. You know, such as life. But I'll tell you something, I'd be very proud of the Mayo team even this year. Uh, the shape that came in out of lockdown, the, the physical condition they're in to, to prepare in Division 2 and to be ready for a championship hit this year. I, I think they're in great shape and... Um, no, I, I wouldn't call that arrogance. I'd call that being prepared. Does it kill you that you didn't go through your career and remain unbeaten against Roscommon? Yeah, I got blocked down for the last for the last score, to be honest, in nineteen. And uh yeah, I went the whole I went the whole way through. Um that would be it's something that hasn't really crossed my mind. It, like I thought it would affect me really badly at the time, if I'm being honest. Um, but it was just one of those things, like it was I think there was a bit of poetic justice in it, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, I love the rivalry, lads. I absolutely love the rivalry. And I will say one thing. Our town here, we have a great little town, but like it's separated. Like, like There's people living beside me, my next-door neighbours. Mum and son were Roscommon. Father and son were my own. Like it was, the houses were split. That's amazing. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's crazy the way it was. But like this town, it was... Roscommon hate, hate, hate each other, football-wise. Roscommon get knocked out. They've always supported the local lads that play for the club and stuff like that. You yeah. go up to training there on a, under sevens night and I'd be slagging young kids. Where are you going with the Roscommon jersey on? You know, but like there's Roscommon, there's Mayo, there's a bit of Sligo in the town. We're stuck on a border of three counties and it's just, uh, it's, it, it, is, it, it makes, I, I, like the one thing I would say, it's always made football and the Connacht Championship interesting as a spectacle for us in the town, you know? But I think there's always that bit of, there's got to be that respect as well. Like, and, Big time. Uh, like that, I think that's that's the great thing about GA. You know, you, you kind of are talking about hating other counties or and, and, and kind of getting personal with, with supporters of other teams and stuff like that. I don't think that's not really a GAA thing. You know, you kind of level that at, at soccer back in the day and, and things like that as well. And from our own experience, Andy, and just from our point of view, we never would have seen the Mayo Mayo team as uh, as arrogant at all. I, I don't. I think the players have that even even more of respect for for opposition players because you know the, the time and effort and the sacrifice that goes into. We didn't like playing Mayo. We and we played the fights on, on the pitch and things like that. But that's just because you're competing and, and 
you know how hard the game is going to be and we're trying to win the All-Ireland so um, now I, I think the rivalry is a huge thing in, in GA and remember we from our own point of view during my career you know I remember going we would have had a bit of a rivalry with Tyrone obviously with Mayo going over playing in Castlebar in the league and then later on we played some pretty uh, pretty tasty games down at Tralee in, uh, in the National League and they got a bit feisty at times between the crowd and supporters and things like that but that's it's a pity you never had a local rivalry, Paddy. I'll put it that way. <laughs> no, well, I, I missed that. You know, my, my, my you, brother would have well, had well, that for not, years with me and stuff. Were you not playing in the teacup game in 2009? Well, that's why I was sent off. Yeah. Were you? <laughs> yeah, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what happened? Yeah. I was cornerback. Um, was Brogan sent off Bernard. too? <laughs> there was a 13-man row and they managed to pick out me and Bernard Brogan, two of the windiest fellas you ever <laughs> And the two of us got, and, but then Wheelow got sent off as well. Who got sent off for me? I can't remember. Uh, it was Darren, a, the Darren Fagan. Uh, I wouldn't want to black him any of your names or red cards. But somebody threw a cup yeah. of Kieran Whelan, didn't they? A Mead fan threw a yeah, cup of Kieran Whelan and said, yeah, yeah. give it a lift there, Kieran." But it was gas because um, that was my first year playing and both teams are kind of, we kind of, so whatever way it planned out, both teams knew there was going to be a bit of a row. And the coaches were like, if there's a row here, everyone in. Yeah. And me had obviously got the exact same message. And it was like two minutes in, the most innocuous thing. I think we got a free down towards the corner. And the dressing rooms at Parnell Park. And it was just all in, everyone from everyone. I was caught, I ran about 90 yards. I think I shouldered some fella. He didn't even feel it. But somehow, but Paddy, Paddy Russell was the ref and set me off. It was, it was my second ever start for Dublin. Dublin senior team. Oh, oh, wait. And it's the only, only time I've ever been sent off, yeah. Paddy Russell was uh, the ref. Shane McInerney Paddy and Russell. Niall McCaig were sent off along with Dublin's Paddy Andrews and Bernard Brogan. <laughs> Dublin goalkeeper Stephen Cluxton was hiding in the ref. Cluxton was the only man. Chris DCU in the, the prize. Oh, Jesus Cluxton, the only man to stay out of the 29-man brawl. How did you get picked out of that? Uh, you must have. Oh, and there were some serious hard men in those two teams. That was always oh, yeah. cool. Like, there was a few of the old Mead guys and the Dublin guys and they managed to pick out me and Brogan. Like, remember that crack though. Remember that crack the managers. All in. If there's a yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, back in the day. The two teams yeah. were just waiting for the first time. <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I love that you it knew was the it was was. Oh, wait, yeah. And you got promoted. You were playing Division 2, were you? Or was it 1B? It was 1B yeah. back then. I was. I think. Right. Long time ago. Look, at, I, I was a little tongue-in-cheek when I started it off, you know, but I, I, I am genuinely serious that I got more messages today from going or common people. I won't go away, fella. <laughs> Fail him. You know who you are. Hook that Frankie Dolan interview to my veins. He's a go-away, man. Uh, Eamon Donahue, <laughs> a good friend of mine, works in the Irish Times. Loved this from Frankie Dolan. It took Roscommon a decade to recover from Ma and dropping those lads. Oh, look it. And then there's Mayo fans <laughs> hopping in and uh, Catherine saying, uh, looking for publicity. Emma is saying, ah, Catherine, get out of it. Take that book off all the bookshelves in Mayo immediately. And uh, sure, look at Like Mahan is a god in Mayo, lads. Mahan is a god is in Mayo. He walks into the leisure centre, right? He walks into the leisure centre where we work. And like, we have to roll the red carpet out for him. Like, he's, he's, the, he's the king of the town, you know? So, he's, what, and like, what he's doing with Offaly now, he's, he's, he's going more up in our estimations, you know? We'll move on to the football, lads. You're listening to episode eight of the Football Pod. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet, do hit subscribe wherever you're listening. You can get us in the OTB GA stream and you can also get us on our own stream, the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. And you'll get all the stuff from the lads there, all seven episodes so far. There's plenty of little bits and pieces that you can go back and, and pick out from. It's all time stamped. If you see a section that you like, 
something on forward play, beating the sweeper, um, loads of bits and pieces that we've done over the seven episodes. You can just click on the timestamp and you'll be able to jump forward to it there. We're going to talk a bit about the football at the weekend, lads, before we preview this weekend coming. Um, just to run through the results very, very quickly. Uh, in Ulster, on Sunday, we had Donegal 225 to Downs 112. Down may have opened up a couple of holes in the Donegal defence in the second half. We'll come back to how good Donegal looked going forward. Michael Murphy picked up a bit of a nick. We'll see how that pans out. Um, he told our Ashley O'Reilly after the match that he's going to be okay, but he's going to say that, isn't he? Um, in Leinster, like one of the games, like Mahan's Offaly were nearly caught. They bet loud after extra time. Bernard Allen's looping goal um, kind of saved them before before um, Sam Mulroy kicked an equaliser and then Offaly took over an extra time and, and kind of blew loud away. Wexford bet Wicklow. And as the manager, Shane Roach, said, uh, an old custodian of yours from DCU back in the day, Paddy, Wexford yeah, are going to give Dublin their due respect this weekend. So we're going to come <laughs> to the Dublin prep for that in a, in a couple of minutes' time. Longford had a good win. They, they mm. survived against Tipperary and they bet Carlo. So they've had two brilliant back-to-back wins. Longford are a great team to win a championship match. I think it's eight years running out. They've won a game and they're playing Mead. A Mead team that are, you know, struggling with injuries and, uh, you know, a bit of messing going on in the county over the last little while that we're not going to get into at the minute because I'd waste another 20 minutes but uh, like that's a banana skin for me Longford um, Calera obviously playing awfully and then on Saturday Mayo dispatched the Sligo 323 to 12 points some very impressive performances there Kerry 322 Clare 111 Clare actually did really well for about an hour in that match they, they kind of kept Kerry apart for probably 50 minutes um, kept them to a low enough score but Kerry just ripped them apart at times as well and then Limerick had a massive win against Waterford 418 to 12 points can we start with Kerry, Paddy? Did anything yeah. impress you from the Kerry performance at the weekend in particular? Um, no, they, they carried on what they've done throughout the National League. Sean O'Shea this week was probably the standout forward. And that's that's the beauty of it, that they have a number of marquee forwards. It doesn't have to be all Clifford all the time. Clifford's always going to chip in with a couple of scores. But Sean O'Shea was particularly impressive. Um you'd say the team from the weekend, not just the Kerry Clare game. There, there was nothing really learned from that. Um, as good and the progress that Clare had made through Division 2, I think you've seen in their first half against Mayo when they came up against a really one of the top teams that they're a little bit off that, that level and Kerry were coming in and Peter Keane alluded to it after the game. Kerry lost this game last year in the championship. They were complacent against Cork. They didn't perform. And you can just see it, and you can see the energy they brought to every one of their National League games. They just carried that on there. And that's the, the beauty of the season. They're going to play every every couple of weeks. I expect a pretty similar performance from them against Tipperary in two weeks' time, and more than likely in a Munster final against Cork after that. I don't think you're going to get a real challenge for, for Kerry until they'll play the, the Ulster champions in, in an all and semi-final. But the, their energy, their power, their physique... Their link play up front is the most outstanding thing, and that's that's Kerry at their best. We've alluded to it in pods throughout. And to be honest, I remember our very, very first pod, we spoke about what are Kerry looking to get out of the National League. We said they were really flat, that they messed up their attacking game plan last year and it cost them the championship, overly reliant on Clifford. Could they get kind of a chemistry up front and, and, and a rhythm up front? And, and they've done that. And again, Paddy Clifford... Really stand out again. What a pass. Yeah, numerous passes, linking yeah. the play. He'll get on the end of a couple of scores. 
He's a guy that makes the other players, he lets the Sean O'Shea and the David Clifford shine. Deeney's coming in, he's kicking a couple of scores. There's nothing really to learn from, from Kerry at the weekend. And, and to be honest, we'll touch on this in terms of championship structures, they're probably not going to get a real challenge for them until till later in the year. So they carried on where they left off in the National League. Really, really slick up front. Areas to work on. <sighs> Kick out strategy and things like that. I know that goes yeah. to in, in some of the coverage as well. I think Shane Ryan is back from injury now. Um, Shane Ryan obviously did well against Dublin. I remember we, we he always ha- had a pretty high percentage playing against us in the championship. Is he going to come back in or, or will they stick with Fitzgibbon? That's a decision for Peter Keane to make. I think Paul Murphy and Tyke Morley didn't start. Yeah. Again, is that is that injury related? You don't know at this stage of the season. You're, Peter Keane's not going to tell you either way. Um, mm. But there, there's probably a couple of selections there. Certainly, the goalkeeper thing is an interesting one. But again, it, it's it's not going to really put them under any pressure when they play Tipperary in a couple of weeks' time. And, and like I say, I can't see them being put under pressure until more than likely to play possibly a Donegal and an All Ireland semi final. Yeah. Anything in particular you'd like to pick out there, Andy? From what Paddy no, said, I, I think I think the goalkeeping situation is is big one. The, the the ball across the goal in the first half for Clare, it's on the six yard box. You're just looking for the keeper to come out and claim that. But you have to flick it back to Cork last year. High ball in, mm. Brian is in goal. Tommy Walsh in front of him. No one blocks him out. Marquine mm. uh, wasn't it? No one blocks him out for the for the goal and they lose the game doing it. So you're always looking for little things that happen maybe a second, third, fourth time, and then you go, okay, there's a weakness there. And that would be my biggest worry for Kerry. Um, in terms of the game in Clarny, don't think it was ever going to be... Uh, like we're, It's not for us here to patronise Colin Collins by absolutely no. no way, but he's done a terrific job with these guys. They went down and played Kerry last year, or two years ago, with Gordon Kelly and Gary Brennan playing, and they conceded 31 points. You know, it wasn't mm. going to be a different result. Uh, and I know people say they were close for 60, but the game is for the full duration. Sean O'Shea goes off after early enough. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I thought the power in that game and the power in the Mayo game was symbolized by two moments for me, three moments for me. The first point by Sean O'Shea, like it's the first minute of the game, and he just powerfully runs mm. out by guys. Yes, the score is magnificent. It's a great kick. We know Sean O'Shea can do that, mm. but it's the power that he runs out around three or four. Gavin White did it for his two points in the second half. Just literally runs out by. And then in the middle of slide again, bringing it into that, is Aiden just bulldozing two yeah. or three fellas down and just mm. scoring a goal. And you're just thinking, that's not a, a, like the, a more skillful team carrier than Clare. They are a more skillful team than Sligo, obviously. But the physical elements and conditioning is just... It's, on, it, it's, it's moved now to a different scale from... Them Division One sides. Remember, we were talking about Derry last year, yep. last week. We said they've made massive gains. We'll see now when they play Donegal what them gains have been made. You know, uh, but last week I thought it was very evident in the two games. Paddy, you mentioned a couple of years ago against Donegal, you lined up as a seven forward for for Dublin um, with Gavin White pace. Even Paul Murphy was to come back in a man who's played up front as well. Mm-hmm. Is that giving Kerry an extra attack and outlet there from wing back? Yeah, well, I think Kerry will find themselves in a similar situation that Dublin would, would have traditionally found themselves in, is that teams are are worrying about Kerry's forward lines. So, so what are they going to try and do? They're, they're probably going to try and play a sweeper themselves. They'll try and bring back maybe one or, two, one or two or the half forwards. That frees up an extra one or two Kerry defenders. And, and what we would do, particularly in the Leicester Championship with Dublin, 
no team in the Leinster chapter went man to man with us. They, they all would bring people back. So we were thinking, if they're only going to play with three forwards, we don't need six defenders standing there. So you might play with four defenders and you can play with seven or eight forwards. And kind of because that's we wanted to play in the front foot if teams are going to are going to sit back. And that's what I'd imagine Tipperary are probably going to try and do that um, against Kerry in a couple of weeks' time and having that extra outlet there. There's no point in, in Kerry playing against two Tipperary forwards and they've six out and out defenders there. It's just a waste of of the talent that they have at their disposal. Yeah. Uh, and Gavin White, with his pace, and like I say, himself, we've seen it with Clifford, we touched on it with Sean O'Shea. These guys are now in the panel two, three years. They're becoming more experienced. And that that strength and conditioning, you build up that muscle. Very few players come out of minor or under 21 and they're ready to play senior football straight away. It takes time to, to work with your coaches and build that up. And you, you can physically see it on the Kerry guys. You can see it in the speed of their play, their athleticism. And Gavin White is, is a prime example of that. If he's coming full tilt, he's going to cause so much damage for, for opposing defenders because we would have had it a lot with Dublin. If you've Jack McCaffrey or James McCarthy coming clean through on goal, Mayo would have had it with Lee Keegan. It just causes chaos. It causes two or three of those defenders to, to get dragged to him. And all of a sudden, he just turns around and there's Sean O'Shea or David Clifford just to clip a ball over the bar himself. So it is interesting. And it's 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 such a change from 12 months ago. This time, Kerry were all at sea. They were knocked out of the championship. Peter Keane's under severe pressure and they've gone away from their traditional values. Put the clock forward 12 months Everyone's talking about this, the form team. They are the team they're going to try and take down Dublin. The, the, the speed of their play, their attacking play, and they're just constantly on the front foot, their athleticism. It's all praise at the minute. Um, but but like it, it's hard to get a true reflection um, because, like I said, just the way the championship is, they're, they're not going to get a, as, as big a test. And like Andy said, Kerry's forwards are not going to be a problem for, for them winning the All-Ireland. If they're going to win the All-Ireland, it's going to be how they deal, how their full back line deals with, how their goalkeeper deals with, how, how they can put up pressure on, on their own kickouts. Can they win the ball when the pressure's on in Crow Park? Their forwards are not going to be the issue here. Um, it's going to be, can they tie down the best forward lines? And, and like, so you're not going to get a, a sense of that until later in the summer. Yeah. Andy, you mentioned the physical prowess of Aidan O'Shea and how it stood out in the Sligo game. Um, for Mayo, and watching that game the other night. I think they had eight of their starters scored 11 players overall kick points. Darren McHale on his championship debut kicked 1 5. Yep. Ryan O'Donoghue kicks five points. He's looking after the freeze. Aiden O'Shea scores 2 2. So the first game without Killian O'Connor, you're missing that leadership. O'Shea really set the tone. He's done it before in the Connacht Championship plenty of times over, over like even that Sligo hat trick stands out from a couple of years ago. He just looks like he's a, a different animal in those games. Um, yeah, what stood I, I out to you about the Mayo performance? Yeah, I don't think Mayo are going to going to miss Killian. I didn't think they were going to miss them last Saturday. Don't think they're going to miss them next week or the weekend after this um, against Leitrim. And that's, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Leitrim. I think it, it's fair enough to say. Um, but I do think it's going to be then the kind of final, if we're lucky enough to win that dollar in semi-final. That's where Killian O'Connor has come to the fore. And it's, um, and that's where we're going to miss him. And that's where the young guys are going to miss him. That's where, um, Joe, Ryan, Tommy, all these guys who kind of rely when the pressure's on, who we go to give the ball to, when the pressure came on a tiny bit against Clare in the first half, we kicked in three long, ball, long high balls in the first half, not to Killian. 
and then all of a sudden someone needed to settle it down. Killian comes out, wins it, lays it off, and then they go on that run where they destroy Claire for 10 minutes. So mm. he's the guy that does that for us. He is the go-to guy. He was at the peak of his career, so we're going to miss him. Last Saturday was excellent. It was all that you could wish for from a Mayo team because they did everything that you needed to get over the line and to put on a performance and to get confidence into the team and get players scoring. Darren McHale, as you said, the best club player in Mayo last year, scores 1-5 in his debut. It was excellent. Um, but there is the other side of it. Murphy comes in from, from Sligo, plays really well uh, for, for Sligo at full forward. Joe in the first half could have scored 1-3, 1-4. So there is that sort of balance. And what James will be looking at this week is how do we balance that with the brilliance of us going forward, the slick play that we provided, and, and where do we go from there? So there's a few questions, but as expected, uh, down Merkovich the last day, go win easy, um, and let's just move on to the next game. I'm going to throw a cliche at you. What is Aidan O'Shea's best position? <laughs> yeah, I think, and Paddy might be best chance of this, but uh, like for uh, me... Uh, give me give me for, yours. <laughs> but, 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 but for, for me, like for me, you don't have to play him in the same position every single game. I think in Gaelic football, we get locked into, this is his position, this is where he needs to play. But why not against Leitrim, play him out the middle of the field? Why not against Galway or Common, play him at full forward? Why not against, uh, if we play Dublin in the semi-final, play him at full forward so that he's not going to get caught aerobically around the field? Why not in, in, in uh, a game against Kerry like Donny, play him at full back or play him at centre-half back? Why are we so fixated on a position? I, I always find this fascinating. Dublin don't do with James McCarthy. I know it's different because he never goes any further than, than midfield, but he could play anywhere from five, six, three, nine, eight. You know, he could end up playing anywhere. And I think Aiden has that much size and presence and he's such a good tackler that he could literally play for us when we have problems in conceding goals. I think he could actually play as a six. He would need protection in there, like an old McGinney six. Remember McGinney played six and not five. And Tony McIntyre played as a, yeah, a, came back, yeah. as a second centre-half back. So you could do multiple things with Aiden. If you're playing Dublin tomorrow morning and you want to play Aiden and you don't want to play him in as a six because you have to go man on man, you play him at full forward because you don't want him to be caught around that area for 70 minutes. But for me, against the likes of Galway, Roscommon, them teams, I'd be playing them in the middle of the field. Paddy, put it to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a challenging situation now because... I think for Mayo, from the outside looking in, Aidan O'Shea is going to have to play inside because he has to take on the scoring burden that's that's going to be left from Killian's void. Like you're, you're taking out, like what's Killian O'Connor's greatest strengths is the scoring for Mayo and also his leadership in there. And you're particularly you're talking with with Donahue and, and Tommy Conroy either side of him. It's a younger full forward line. They're looking for that leadership. If if Killian O'Connor is not going to be back for Mayo, someone needs to step into that void, and, and they, there's not that. Depth, I suppose, there, but that experience and quality. So you're seeing Aidan O'Shea going at the full forward at the weekend. He essentially has to step in and take on that scoring burden for Mayo. Like he started well, he scored 2-2 against Sligo. There's obviously greater challenges ahead, but I, I think he, that that's James Horn's hand is nearly forced into playing him further up the pitch. He, he was always an option there, but he was traditionally kind of playing around the middle of the field, but, but with Killian gone, I think he's going to have to play closer to goal and, and he's going to take on that burden. But also the, the plus side, and you can see it, it's no coincidence that those younger guys around Aidan O'Shea, and okay, it, it's not the biggest challenge playing against Sligo at the weekend, but he causes such havoc back there. Like if a ball goes into Aidan O'Shea, 
with his hands, with his presence there. The fullback is occupied. The sweeper is usually occupied. And two or three of the other defenders are all fixated on the ball and Aidan O'Shea, very similar to how Donaghy used to play with Kerry. What that does is it just frees up space for those younger guys around. It frees up space for their corner forwards. When I used to play inside my club team, with Kevin Bonner, who we touched on last week, he was brilliant in the air and, and the ball will come in and it just causes panic there and it creates space and pockets for those forwards around them. So that's that leadership piece for Aidan O'Shea as well. But I, I, I think... How did how did Dublin deal with him? How did Dublin make plans for Aidan O'Shea when they were facing him in all Ireland finals and semi-finals? Well, exactly what Andy said. We'd always look at the opposition and go, well, okay, who suits who here? But like, traditionally we'd say... Rory O'Carroll was playing full back at the time, say in 15 or 16. And it was funny, I would have thought Rory was, was the man for Aidan O'Shea, but we ended up putting Philly on him and Rory marking Killian O'Connor because Rory was kind of probably a bit better in one to one situations than Philly would have been. And it, it worked out perfectly for us because Philly suited Aidan O'Shea and they're kind of both their games, the, the physicality was going to suit Philly that, that Aidan would bring. And kind of, he wasn't going to be outrun or anything like that as well. So Andy's right. You've got to look at, okay, what are the tools we have at our disposal here as a coach? And one of the biggest things is getting our matchups right. So if Aiden was inside, Philly obviously did some great battles there. If he was out around the middle of the pitch against Dublin, you know, it's going to be a challenge. As, as good a shape as Aiden O'Shea is in, just naturally for him to try and keep up with a Fenton or James McCarthy is going to be a challenge. And we touched on that with David Moore and, and what he's facing with Kerry. So you've got to be, as a coach, flexible. What is what is the game plan that's going to suit my players best? And who can we match them up against? And that's the big setback for James Thorne is that he doesn't have that luxury now of death because he's lost Killian O'Connor. Where, like uh, the ideal scenario is Killian O'Connor shooting the lights out inside. He's looking mm. after the young guys in the corners, bringing them into the game. You could play Aidan O'Shea with a Matthew Ruan who's got brilliant legs around the pitch, and, and you can play midfield. You're kind of Robin Peter to play Paul now, but that's that's the unfortunate thing with injuries and, and where Mayo find themselves. But but with with Dublin, whether it was Aidan O'Shea or whether it was Killian O'Connor, the biggest thing was what one of our defenders will suit marking this guy best, and it wasn't a personal slight and. On, on Rory saying we're not going to put you on, on Aidan O'Shea it was just this is for the benefit of the team you'll suit him better and, and, and invariably we got the matchups right and that's a big thing for defensive coaches and, and for managers to make sure that happens Well if we take 15 for an example like am I right in saying Finney McMahon marked Colin Cooper in that Ireland final in 2015 Yeah. Um, yeah. and like in, in the semi-finals, did he get 1-2 on O'Shea? Like, he had a remarkable couple of games there. Yeah. Remarkable impact. But he, 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 he marked Cooper in the final. Gooch was obviously coming back for, from a really bad injury. Yes. And was kind of struggling. And, and that was probably Philly's peak. I, I think he nominated for player of the year or he you know, might have won it. I can't remember. But Philly was at his peak and his game was just going forward. And he was going on the front foot. And it was always that wasn't going to suit Gooch. You know what I mean? And the way... Dublin kind of dominated that game, so we were all on the front foot. It might have been a different story if this was two years previously and Gooch was at his peak and Kerry were on top and all of a sudden Philly had to mark Colin Cooper in our own full back line. That's, that's a different kettle of fish. But the way we felt the game was going to go, with Philly's game, he was really on top of his game. Gooch was coming back after a really, really hard injury. It, it was just never going to suit him to be running up and down the pitch. And, and again, that was just, okay... What is going to suit the players we have at our disposal? What's going to hurt them most? And that was that's what coaches have to do, and players have to be aware of that. And that's that's your preparation. That's the 
the insight that's your analysis and going, okay, as brilliant as Gucci is, one of the best players ever, we think this will actually suit our game plan better. And it, and it did. It worked to an extent that, you know, Philly had a really good game. But he, he did, he yeah. scored, He scored at one point. He set up a couple of points as well in the second half. That was a scrappy game in the rain. But, yeah. but that's, that's what you have to do as a coach. That's the... If you can find those matchups and get an advantage there, that, that's a huge way to, to swing in the game in your favour. Jack Mack was footballer of the year. Jack Caffrey's footballer of the year in 2015. Um, Andy, you, so the position, I, I understand the frustration there around the question of what's his best position. It's probably a similar question around someone like Michael Murphy. Can I ask you this? When is Aidan O'Shea most effective for Mayo? What, what's he doing or what, what's his role? Like what is... Is it is it drawing opposition players onto him? Is it winning ball in the middle and waiting for a tackle to come? Because he wouldn't strike me as a he's not a six or seven point man a game. Oh no, never. That's not that's not Aiden's game. And yeah. like a score from Aiden is nearly worth three for the team. So every time Aiden scores, it really does lift the, it lifts everyone around him. But like Aiden's best role for me uh, is when he has a defined role within the team. So like 17. 17 Aiden had a next unbelievable final against Dublin, actually. Like all the, like that central section there, it was it's one of the best battles I, I've ever seen. Parson, Shami O'Shea, Aiden with Fenton, McCarthy, and who's the third one in there, Paddy? I can't do the third one from Dublin, but it was just it was a brilliant battle, and all six of the guys that were in around there. All had really, really strong performances. You remember Parsons chasing down Fenton, but Aiden yeah. was really strong. So when he has a defined role within the team, I think he's at his strongest in the fullback, fullback position against Tony, doing a job, set setting for the team. In 16, when he was playing beside himself and Killian in the full forward line, like he was the battering ram. It's like what Paddy is saying there about the two young fellas either side of him. He took the attention so me and Killian could go and play. So he took all the attention and he knew that and he loved it. So when like he knew he was the first runner for the ball, he knew he had to like set the play, set the tone of the play, and all. And once he knows that, and once he's that defined role around the team, I think it, it all kind of moves well. So that's why I'd like what Paddy is saying. Um, for me, I thought he was brilliant for us in nineteen um, in the national league final when himself and Matty were in the in the middle of the field. As Paddy said, Matty's got huge engine, huge mm-hmm. legs, driving forward. Aiden is more of a defensive minded midfielder. So he used to just hold it, let Matty off and kind of dictate the, the play from there. So that's me. When is he at his best? When he's a defined role, he's either the first ball winner, he's either taking someone out of the game or he's that holder midfielder where he can kind of dictate everything around him. I, I think it's, it's, it's quality as a player that, that he, he can play those different positions. Mm. You know, he has the ability to do that. He's done that over the course of his career. I just think due to circumstance of what's happened mm. to me in the last last couple of weeks I think more than likely if, if they're going to get to where they need to get to he has to take on the scoring board Fair because I, I just don't think there's anyone else there that can play that role and what it does maybe it frees up Conor Loftus to come in and play midfield yeah. Matty Rowan you might I don't know there might be other, other, other guys that might go in there but, but I, I yeah. think more than likely due to Killian O'Connor's injury you're probably going to see Aidan O'Shea in around the square for, for, for the majority of this championship and you probably have me convinced Paddy the, the only issue I have with him uh, in there now, like last year when I was at the games, was he was just standing there and we were struggling to get the ball to him. Even against Tipperary, we struggled to get the ball to him. Against Dublin, Paddy, you know, we, we couldn't get the ball into him. Like, so yeah. you're basically this six foot five mountain of a man <laughs> standing in the, in the full forward who, who's there or thereabouts to be still your best footballer. 
and you have him standing at the edge of the square and I'm just like, surely we can use him a tiny bit better than that. But Paddy's like, and not to, but you're right, like we probably do need him. Now at this moment, we probably do need him. Mm. For Declan Bonner, he'll be delighted with the the scoring returns that he got out of uh, Paddy McBurty at the weekend and a couple of the other Donegal footballers. Ryan McHugh was was in, in good shape. He took a chance on Michael Murphy and uh, he hobbled off um, after a few minutes. I don't think we learned anything defensively about Donegal. They, they still probably showed up the same deficiencies that we would have seen in the league games. Did anything impress you about Donegal, Andy? I did. It, or stand it, it, out? Like, I was driving down the car on, uh, on, on Sunday and I heard Murphy was gone off after 28 minutes. I actually got ticked. Like, I, I, I don't <laughs> know why. Like, like, I actually was like, why play him? But then yeah. I looked at the game back and he was moving brilliantly. Like it was just, it was, it was actually, I'd say it's very frustrating for him and for Declan Bonner. Like I was looking at, when I was listening to it, I was like, why play him? But then I seen it, like mm. he was moving that well in training before the game, you know? So it is just one of those things. The only problem with the way he plays and the niggles that them hamstring injuries and they just niggle at you and you'd have to play at 60-70%. Now, listen, Murphy is an outstanding player. 60-70%, he's still a big influence on the team. But for me, that was the frustration there. With Donegal as a whole, did we learn much? No, there were some people spouting during the week that maybe they're better off without McBearty. John Mann <laughs> scores 1-6, 1-7. I think it was Aidan O'Rourke who said it. Man that scores 1-6, 1-7 and Joe, you're, he's carried them through the league with Murphy out himself and Michael Langan. I thought it was a really strange comment. But They've got a way of playing, which is a huge benefit to them. Paddy, Paddy has went through this over all the pots that they're now in a three-year or maybe a four-year cycle under uh, Bonner and uh, Stephen Rochford. They've got a way of playing. Yeah. They score huge amounts of scores, but you've hit the nail on the head. The defensive frailties are there. Mm. Wind down went at them. They did struggle. They struggled to hit down the real pinnacle players on the, on the down team at times. And yes, listen, there, there, there is pressure on them. Um, but again, bar the Murphy injury, they're coming out of that down game and they're delighted. Um, yeah, the result. I, I thought they were slick up front, exactly mm. what we touched on last week. They were very set way of playing. They get the runners coming through from deep. Brian McHugh was very impressive, but he, like he always is. You expect that from him. McBrearty will stand out in the wing and he'll just come around on the loop and you can see it down. Paddy Talley had them set up as this defensive team. We'll block the centre channel, Donegal, and their mothers knew exactly what was going to happen. McBrearty stands out in the wing, Michael Langan stands out in the wing, Thompson stands out in the wing, and they just come around on the loop and kick the ball over the bar like that. It's, it's, and like, that's their experience. They're used to playing against it, and they have guys that can score from long range. Langan, again, was really impressive. Yeah. Sending off for down. Was it ever really a contest? The sending off completely nullified it. Yeah. Uh, Mc, <laughs> I don't know how he was complaining about getting sent off. He took the head off him. Yeah, and he was complaining. I think it's his third sending off. McGovern's third sending off in the last... Uh, yeah, but, but look, it was irrelevant yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, and what we expected so they're slick up front you expect that I, I agree the Murphy thing is just frustrating there's no way like Declan Bonner's not stupid Michael Murphy's not stupid around a long time there's no way he would have risked him if no. he didn't come through I'd say he played a training match the week before and it was fine it's a frustrating one it puts them under pressure a two week turnaround and, and the Derry game will be far more of a test and like I say the, the similar scenario to, to what we're looking at with Kerry I think defensively is where Donegal may come up short. Yeah. Again, they'll learn less. It was the only negative really from the game. They will look at that and go, Caleb Mooley's causing trouble running at it. They're going to get carbon copy with Connor Glass coming through from Derry. Yeah. How, how could they adapt to that? 
And I suppose that's the beauty of, of Donegal. If they are to get through and, and to win the Social Championship, they'll have four really tough games by the time they might play Kerry. They'll, they'll be looking to iron out those creaks. Like I say, up front, they're moving uh, as they have done all season defensively and kind of get Michael Murphy back because similar to Mayo, if they're going to get to where they need to get to, they're going to need that guy on the pitch and firing on all cylinders. There's going to be a special Congress later this year where the knockout championships that we've seen for the last two <laughs> years that are so frustrating, that look, they're going to be gone. Um, there's going to be a choice between two different systems. There's Proposal A that I'm not even going to try and explain because if it gets true, we may all just give up. And then there's Proposal B. Like on a Tommy, like it's, 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 it, they're all interesting proposals. No one has come up with the, the magic formula as of mm. yet. Um, with it. The most amazing thing about it is that we haven't changed anything. Yeah. Um, like I, I remember back in the noughties, right? We had a 1A, 1B league. Now, sometimes you have to look back to come forward. What worked, what didn't work. Now, the 1A, 1B league, was absolutely not perfect. But you look back through the noughties and I was just think, I was talking to actually Kieran Shannon about this uh, months ago and he like we were just chatting about it. You had Monaghan beaten our man 2003 mm. uh, after our man went to All-Ireland. You have Fermanagh in North 4 coming through. You have Wexford in that North 5, North 8 spectrum. You have Leash getting to quarterfinal in North 6. Joe, you have even your boys coming through me in, in, in 9 where you had teams during the league getting exposed to the level they need to get to. Okay? Like, so, you have 18s of each. Like, so, you, we, we used to play Limericks. Do you remember this, Paddy? You used to play Limerick. Yeah. You used to play, you know, you used to be all over the country playing teams and they used to get exposed. Remember Limerick nearly bet Kerry, Daryl yeah, Shea, yeah, yeah. You know, over the bar. Do you know, so, you had massive competition and you had mm. chances for them to get there. Sligo came through in North 7. Do you mm. know? Like, again, came through in 10. But they were being exposed to real high-level games and the new the new word there to get to. If you look at Sligo now, right? So in the last two seasons, they didn't get to play a championship game last year, right? They get Joe Kane and Tony McAtee, two top class guys in with them this year. They get to play one game against a championship favourite and they play their league in Division 4. Now, we're still playing. Like, how are Joe Kane and Tony McAtee supposed to explain to their players this is the level we need to get to? It's you simply cannot do it. Like you, you mm. like you wouldn't put someone into work as a CEO if they haven't done anything as relevant as that job all through their career. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to build up to that area. And like this is where I feel. I, I actually feel it. It's amazing when you step back from it and you're not playing and you're not stuck in that bubble. You step back and you look, and you gotta feel sorry for Claire. You absolutely gotta feel sorry for for Sligo. I think they've been done badly. Paddy Tallian down. And particularly Mickey Hart there in Loud. Like, them guys having another game. Like, I'm like, why? Like, it just, it, the mind boggles, like, to why. It, it, it'll, it'll be eight months until they play their next game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and you're like, Mickey Hart comes in, and, and look, I get it. The, the COVID thing has been a huge challenge to all sports and across the board, and it's still going on in the country, and, and people are getting fed up with it. But if you're talking about teams and training and momentum and new coaches coming in and we're talking about strength and condition and things like that, the only yeah. way these teams are going to get better is to play meaningful games. A meaningful game for Sligo is not playing Mayo in the first round of the championship. That's not meaningful. There's, there was literally no less they can take from that game. It was such a, a, a gap between the athleticism, the physicality, skill levels. The only way you bring that through is if you need games. You need to be playing all the time. And this straight knockout championship is, is, is nonsense. 
the league format, ask any player that's played under county football. The league format is the most enjoyable. You play seven games over eight or nine weekends. It's week on week. It's You're traveling around the country, going to these different county grounds. There's big crowds. And it's competitive games. Like what The best game for the weekend was Offaly against Loud. Unbelievable game, down to the wire, last-minute scores, goes to extra time. Is it, it might be as high a quality or a speed of play as watch a double play carry, but it's a brilliant game for those counties. And the reason it was is because they're matched, they're evenly matched. Loud have got promoted from Division 4, they've momentum, Offaly got promoted from Division 3. You know, are we going to see that this weekend when Wexford get a win against Wicklow and now they're going to play double? Like the provincial, the provincial system is under serious pressure and, and the proposals can't come soon enough because whatever about the players are getting fed up with it and I'm talking about even the players that, that are, are successful in winning these games like, like Dublin aren't going to get a whole pile out of out of that game at, at the weekend when they play Wexford Mayo wouldn't have got a whole pile out of the, the Sligo game so the players aren't, aren't enjoying it the supporters definitely aren't enjoying it the media aren't enjoying it and as a product Gaelic football is seriously, seriously struggling until this is rectified. And it's kind of got to the point where something has to happen. Something has to give because players are just going to stop playing. Players are not going to give their commitment. Mm. People are going to stop watching. And is it going to get to the stage where people just won't go to Crow Park to watch these games? You mentioned Leash a few minutes ago and like there was a photo in the rounds earlier in the week of a Dublin Leash game in 2018, I think all the tiers above empty in Leinster and a Dublin leash Leinster final in 2006 at a time yeah. in Leinster where anyone could win and it was packed. I think yeah. it was 2005, sorry. And like before COVID, we had done a piece on off the ball. And look, I don't know if it was that much of an outlier, but it certainly felt like it was. A lot of players in their mid-20s had decided in counties around the country, in Cavan, you had four or five lads leaving. This is around the, this is the start of 2020 and start of 2019. You had an awful lot of footballers in their mid-20s stepping away from the game. They were going traveling. They were stepping back for work reasons. They were going away. Counties in that middle. And when I say middle, I'm talking beyond the top six, seven counties. I mean, down. They were all separate because yeah. what was the point? Jack McCaffrey, Paul Manning have done it from Dublin. So it's not just, it's not just weaker counties. The, the, the commitment levels and the enjoyment levels across the board for players and the supporters is just something needs to change. Like, like I said, we, we've had two guys go ourselves. So it's across yeah. the board. Younger players, there's so much other things to do. There's so much travelling to do. COVID was nearly an eye-opener for Jesus. There's loads of other things that, that can grab the attention of young lads and young ladies around, around the country of players. They're kind of saying, is this really worth it? Is this product, is this this sacrifice really worth it? And well, like you spoke about being a monk. All the stakeholders are fed, are fed up with it. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago and you spoke about how being a monk for nine months of the year mm. and we, we had said it like for, for Mayo and for Dublin, for the likes of Kerry, you can justify it. It's worth it. There's mm. something to play got, for at the end yeah, of the year. Tommy, Tommy, you've got a goal. At the start of the year, you've got a goal. So you play for Mayo. We're trying to end a, 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 a championship, not winning a championship since 51. So and like the supporters are behind that goal. The county board are behind mm. that goal. The players are behind that goal. The whole of the county has a goal to try to get to where we're... Jeez, the whole country there. would like you to do it at this stage, yeah, no, but, 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 <laughs> no, I know, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Dublin, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Dublin have a goal where they're trying to, like, they're trying to keep this incredible run going. Yeah. They have a goal now that they're trying to, you know. So Tyrone have a goal. Certain teams have a goal to where they want to get to. Okay? 
But where did the re- what did the rest of the guys do? And I'm not sitting here for for championship structure or anything. But the way it's set up now, the league was incredible, Tommy. Right, the league was incredible. But it's pushing them teams. This is the point we're trying to make over the last couple of weeks. It's pushing them teams further away. How many times have myself, yourself, and Paddy said over the last couple of weeks, Division One is the place to be because that's pushing teams away from the rest of them. It's not moving them closer. Like last week, I remember years ago, you'd say, geez, there could be a shock here in this game. Could be a shock here. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be no shocks, lads. Like the first real, to me, like competitive game of the, the championship of the Division One, Division Two sides is going to happen this week between Roscommon and Yeah. And that's, it's going to happen because two evenly matched teams, two teams that feel they can break into that. Joe Roscommon mm-hmm. have tried it for many years. Joyce definitely feels that that goal team can push on and really challenge. So that's going to be a real, like you couldn't pick that winner. Like if me and you and Paddy picked the winner, yeah. that, I'd say the three of us would go for, you know, we'd, we'd, like it'd be 2v1 somewhere. Yeah. And it's, um, and that's what you want. And you want competitive games. You want games like happening in the Euros. You know, you want competitive nature of football. And how do you get that? We had something that gave us something in the noughties. It wasn't perfect. But can we... Joe, match Married to two. Are we obsessed with having, thir- like we're obsessed with eight, 16, 32? <laughs> Relax. Why can't we have 20 and 12? Like, Look at Balladrine. Look yeah. at Balladrine. You read through the borders. You yeah. moved it all around. Yeah, but, but, but yeah. this is what I'm saying. Like, why can't you have 20 teams in a, in yeah. a division? Why can't you have 21? Don't, it doesn't have to be this perfect numerical object well, that like, we'll for, that's, the, that's the thing with this I don't know if, if you've looked at this proposal A for a special congress later this year and there's no point getting too deep into it but one of the one of the suggestions here is that you'll move some of the lower ranked counties in Leinster over to Connacht or Munster or Ulster and you'll retain the provincial championships what is the point? yeah like Dublin are still going to win the next those provincial championships lads you need to come on Jeez. but, but, but Paddy the, 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 point, the point is Paddy they're not going to go like, like there's no way in snowballs that Ulster well, championship is well, going well, to well, why don't you play the provincial championships in March instead of no there's nothing in January county teams go back training in February play the provincial championships on their own in March that's instead of the McKenna Cup I know they love the McKenna Cup with the North the O'Byrne Cup the FBD League the McGrath Cup they're garbage no Get rid of them. Play the provincial championships, so you can you can take the, the boxes. Keep the Sigerson. Play the Sigerson in January then, if you want. But but like this idea of like, oh, we have to play the provincial championships. Like like, play them in, in March and then they're done. You've ticked that box and have a, a meaningful championship campaign and in, in a league style format, like you're talking about proposal yeah. leader, yeah. where teams are going to get exposed. Like you're getting five or six championship games in May, June, July. They're on telly. There's big crowds going to them. And that's the only way these teams are going to get better. Like, if Clare played Kerry this weekend, they'd put, I'd say they'd give a better account of themselves exactly. and the lessons they yeah. learned from last week. If Sligo played Mayo, they would put a better account of themselves this week than they did last week. They're not going to get the chance to do that for eight months. Yeah. Like, these teams need games. It's clear, uh, we, it's clear we really feel sorry for it because yeah. they're a right team trying to go on the right path doing all the right work, probably lost yeah. their two best players. And then, like, it's it's June, lads. It's June, and they're not playing another game until next, next February. Like, it, like that's, so, that's so harsh on Colin Collins and all his guys that are playing, you know? And there's going to be more counties out again, you know, next weekend, the first weekend of July, there's going to be more counties out, and that's going to be it for, for a long time. Um, we're going to go from that conversation 
And I'm going to segue really naturally into, I think they've been defined as the longest odds ever to win a match. And it's Wexford up against Dublin. It is in championship history. I think it's actually the longest odds in championship history for, for a what match. What is it? Uh, I, I don't know what the odds are, but that, I, I read it during the week and I forgot to, I forgot to take a screenshot. So it's Wexford against Dublin. Um, like... The, la- the Wexford lads had a massive win against Wicklow. They've had a tough time down there over the last while. Shane Roach has taken over. It's a long time since they won a Leinster match, never mind, mm. um, you know, a, a big game. But I think it's 2014 the last time. Like, Paddy, can, can you put me into the mind frame, just to switch tact here a little bit, can you put me into the mind frame of a Dublin footballer the week of a Leinster quarterfinal over the last seven, eight years? How are you preparing to take on Wexford when the odds are that stacked against you. I know you're saying you don't read into it and you don't look yeah. at the odds or anything like that. How would you prepare for this match? I'm, I'm telling you the truth that, that we don't. We, we don't listen to any of that stuff outside. Look, Dublin players will know that they're going to be favourites for this, but they will prepare for that game the exact same as they would have prepared for their, their four National League games and it would be as if they're playing Mayo or Kerry. So, what? so what do you the mean? game would the game would have been game was on Sunday, so Dublin probably in the gym on Monday or, or tonight. That'll be the first time they've been together since the game. They'll have clips that will be shown to them, so they'll see the highlights of of Wexford's game against Wicklow. And probably some with all the games on GA Go, they'll probably have a couple of clips of, of Wexford National League games as well. Coaches Nick Alvin and his coaching team will be kind of giving high level details to the Dublin defenders and the Dublin offensive group. For the defenders group, it'll be here's 10 clips, here's their scores, this is what they're doing really well, and here's one or two or three of their key players. The same, the Dublin forwards will get this. These are Wexford's man markers, Conor Callan. This is who you're likely going to be up against. This is their goalkeeper, this is their kickout strategy. That'll all be done tonight. And they'll spend, they'll train, and they'll, they'll spend probably an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes after that training session, sitting around talking and watching clips of Wexford. And they'll be getting to know Wexford. Okay, these are the key players. They'll go on later on in the week then, and the players themselves. So are you in groups? Are you in groups doing that? But it'll just be like your defenders will be sitting there, and your forwards will be sitting there, and and they'll have a conversation with the defensive coach and the forwards coach. You know, this is the style of play Wexford are doing. Here's their clips, their scores against Wicklow, and and then from from their earlier games in the National League. Later on in the week, then the Dublin players will probably present back to their teammates and go, "Look, this is." If it's Scully, he's got to be talking about the Wexford defenders or Johnny Cooper or Mick Fitzsimons is talking about the, the Wexford forwards. Dublin will go into this game on, on Sunday against Wexford. They'll know every single Wexford player. They'll know what foot they kick with. They'll know what hand they hand pass with. They'll know their kick-out strategy. They'll pinpoint areas for that they'll be able to hurt Wexford kick-out. That is the preparation Dublin do for every single game. And this is where you can get caught up listening to the media and any outside distractions because I guarantee it, Dublin lads are going to work this week and us ourselves, they'll have conversations going, so you're going to beat Wexford by 30 points. That's grand. Just block that out. I'm preparing. I need to be ready to play Wexford. And they will have that, that preparation. That week will be the same week as if they were playing the all Ireland final. That's why Dublin have been so consistent over the last... 10 years there isn't that they don't slip up because that's the standards there and if you just look at it from, from a player's point of view you know, I would have had this myself when we played Wicklow maybe in 2018 the first round and I, my preparation for that was if I don't play well I'm under pressure here and 
someone's going to take my place. So I am preparing for this game. Even though we're red hot favourites to beat Wicklow or Wexford, I need to perform or someone's going to take my place. And if you look at the Dublin team for the weekend, most likely, there's probably Fenton, Kilkenny, Khan, and maybe James McCarthy. There's probably four or maybe Scully. There's probably five players there that no matter what, they're still going to play the next day. But that leaves 10 guys in that team that are literally, they are under pressure to perform, whether it's Wexford or whether it's Kerry. They need to play well. They need to prepare. Cormac Costco's under serious pressure because if he, he knows if he doesn't play well, even though he's the top scorer in the National League, well, Dean Rock's going to come and take his spot. If Cluxton's back in goal or not, Evan Comerford's getting the game. He needs to prepare because if Cluxton's there on the bench. Johnny Cooper hasn't played a lot in the National League. He has seven All-Irelands and a couple of All-Stars. He's got to be mad to play well against Wexford. That is, that's the environment there. And that's why every single game, every game, National League, Championship, Leinster quarterfinal, All-Ireland final, you prepare, respect the opposition, and you need to go out and perform. And that's not bullshit. That is, that is, that's the mentality there. Respect your opposition. And if you don't prepare, someone else is going to prepare instead and they'll take your place. I was, I was going to ask you, how does complacency not set in? But you've answered it there. Was there any game? Take it ahead of you, Tommy. Was there, was there any game in Leinster over that period? You mentioned the Wicklow game. I think that was 425 to 111. There was a Carlo game, I remember, where Carlo actually put up a bit of a fight. Um, was there any of those matches where you came into the dressing room afterwards and went, we didn't prepare well enough for this Leinster quarterfinal, semifinal? No, not really. Honestly, there, there wasn't. Um, maybe some guys wouldn't have been happy with how they performed and they would have had those conversations with the coaches, but it would have been very rare that that would have been down to a lack of preparation or a complacency or a lack of respect. Like I said, we learned the most valuable lessons in 2014. And if you ask any player, and we touched on an earlier pod about Kerry looking angry this year, if you're a serious player and a serious team, there is nothing worse. There is no worse feeling than when you've you've lost a game that you know you shouldn't have lost. When you lose a big championship match and you're thinking, hell on God, if we played that match tomorrow, we'd win by 10 points. And that's, when you lose because you're complacent and your preparation isn't right, there is no worse feeling if you're serious about your football and being a serious athlete. So, you just don't put yourself in that position. And, and once you experience it once, and that's what you've seen, Kerry experienced it last year with Cork, no matter what comes up, they were complacent in that game. Their, their game plan was... Their game plan was set up to prepare for another team. Yeah. <laughs> their whole game plan was picked as if they were playing Dublin. Like that's coming from the coaches. So, so don't talk about they weren't complacent. They, they were. Your eyes don't lie to you what happened on the pitch there. And that's why you can see the focus. And they're, they're going to be hurt by that because they're serious football people. They're serious football players. They're smarting over that. And once you learn that lesson once, you, you'd be an awful fool to let it happen to you again. So, so with Dublin... Like, I'm, I'm telling you, and, and people kind of take it, they believe it or not, but the preparation for, for the game against Wexford will be taken as seriously as, as any other game. Andy, anything jump out to you from that? Like, is that the same in Mayo, preparing for Connor Championship naturally? No, it's a, it, 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 it hasn't been. And it's um, there's great lessons in that. It, like, it's... No, I think Dublin have, have a huge advantage because there's such level of depth of player talent that they have. <laughs> that uh, I think we've mentioned before, no matter what Conor McManus does for, for Monaghan, he's going to play it, you know. So there is a bit of, but 
you can see it. And I, I, I presume this all started, Paddy, after 2014, where you really went into the analysis side of it. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, we, we would have done it a bit, but because we won the All-Ireland in 2013, and we were, we were like I say, we were allowing kind of outside influence, influence to start to creep in. And it's only little things. It's not lads like yeah. taking the piss and going... You know, it's just little things start creeping in and standards start to drop and all of a sudden you do start believing your own hype and then you, you get your feedback out on the pitch and all, you look like a fool. You, you've lost a big game that you know you shouldn't have lost and there's like I said, there's no worse feeling than that. So once you have that lesson, you just don't let it happen again. Why, why would you? Why would you let that happen again if you're repeating the same mistakes? So 14 was a big lesson for us, but you're, but you're right, Andy, it's... If your players breathing down their neck, the coach's job is nearly done for them. Because yeah. where if you don't do it, I'll tell you, there's probably 10 other guys who are sitting there number 16 to 24 on the panel or 25, that they will do it. But They'll it's, do everything. It's an, and I, I've often found this with, with, with teams I've been involved in over the years, is the consistency of preparation might be there. So what Dublin are doing there are they're building memories like they're building muscle memory in way in the way they prepare. So there's nothing different. So if you're preparing for Wicklow like this, and then you have Kerry in a semi-final or Tyrone or Mayo, and then you have them in the final, and you've done the same routine the whole way through, it just becomes incredibly easy. And the all Ireland final then doesn't become such a big occasion, such a big deal, because you've you've done it right through. Yes, there's obviously going to be a bit more serious, like it's not seriousness, but you're going to focus in a tiny bit more. But if that preparation is consistent, it's the same as work, Tommy. Sure, like when you're doing pods, the best podcasts are the ones you're more prepared for. And Dublin just do that over a consistent period of time. And it, it, the evidence, the proof is in the pudding. Like, look what they've done over the last many Leinsters is it in a row? And Joe, you know, it's insane. And then, you know, it's it's insane. Didn't, and didn't prep uh, for that one. No, it didn't prep for that oh, one. Yeah. Like it's six all Ireland. What happened ten years ago wasn't important, you know. Yes. Yeah. Can I ask a question about fourteen and and the the change I suppose that came after that? Was it the players who demanded more from the coaches, or the coaches who demanded more from the players? It was all of us as, as a group. Like everyone involved in there, whether the, the thirty players and the ten or eleven, kind of coaches and physios and every, every everyone in the group looked in the mirror there and said, did we do enough? Were we good enough there? And, and we would have been a very close-knit group and I'm, and I'm Andy and Mayo, you guys would be the same. We win together, we lose together. So, so everyone in that group, from the coaches, from the physios, we've guys injured. You know, is that the physios, is the doctors, are they doing enough? Is our strength conditioning, is our gym program good enough? Our selection decision from, from Jim and the coaches, they're questioning themselves and then ultimately the players on the pitch you need to take ownership and take responsibility as well and not be looking for excuses from someone else. Everyone needed to look in the mirror and go, was that good enough? Was that our standards? And it wasn't. And everyone learned the lessons and we came back at 15 and we're very hungry and, and it went well. But like it comes, like I say, there's valuable lessons to be learned in that. Um, but, but it's never a case of, oh, it, that's the coach's fault. Or, or the coach is going, well, that's the player's fault. Or the physio's going, well, you're injured because you didn't do the rehab I, I gave you. Everyone is in this together. And that was always the, the, the kind of the attitude and the culture within the Dublin team. When we won, it was everyone's success. And when we lost, we weren't, there was no point fingers at someone else. It was all of us together. And again, Paddy, not, not knowing Jim Gavin from anyone, but I can imagine that he, was, he wasn't coming in shouting at fellas. 
listen, this is your, like, you know, we, we've <laughs> all been in them dressing rooms where the manager comes in and he starts throwing things and it's like everyone else's fault. But like, where have you improved between 14 and 15? What have you done during the winter? Yeah. You were a better coach, better manager. And I think if a manager comes in and be humble enough to say, okay, hold on here a second. I might have done this, this, and this wrong. I'm going to improve this. I need you guys to, you know, I think every, it kind of, you know, the Rolling Stone and all that, it kind of just keeps moving on. And but but Andy, no, no one has all the answers. No one, no one. Like even, like I, like I, I don't know David Clifford, but I, I'd imagine everyone in the whole country is saying he's one of the best players of all time and he's only, what, 22 or 23. I'm still sure he's going to practice his freeze every night of the week. He's doing, you can see the work he's done physically in the gym over the last six months. We're talking with Sean O'Shea. Nobody has all the answers. Me and you, Andy, we're, we're trying to drag, we're hanging together our bodies and we're still trying to get better as better players. That's that's what it's about for players and coaches. The, the day you think, oh, we've all the answers here and we'll, we'll be grand and we don't need to put in the work. That's the day, that's complacent. That's the day you'll get caught. And we're, we started off this Paul talk about arrogance. That's arrogance. Thinking that, that I don't need to do anything more. Like we've the prime example that I've seen up close is Stephen Cluxton. He's what he's probably fifty six years of age and he's still going back. It's, 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 you know what I mean? He's still practicing his kickouts. He's still there on a train. And that's like say yeah. Andy, your team success leaves clues. Like there's there's one of the most obvious ones. You know. I've two quick questions left for Bodie, Paddy. You um you paid tribute to Keno Sullivan, a teammate of yours for years. Retired earlier in the week. You were talking to Joe on Mondays off the ball and and you spoke about Keen. We'll get a word on Keane in a second. What's going on with Stephen Cluxon? Thought you he's were going to give us the exclusive, man. He's back. He's you told me you were giving me the exclusive. What? Uh, your, he's back. He'd be Is ready he? to rock. So it's whether he'll play or not. I don't know. That's and is that normal? To, is it normal for him to not be involved for a certain amount of time and then to come in later uh, in the championship? I know. I don't he's not fifty-six years of age, but he's been around. I think this is his twenty or twenty-first championship season. Yeah. Like you need to look after your body to a point, that, and. Does Stephen Cluxton need to play every single minute of the National League when he's played 20 years? You need to, the most important thing for Dublin and for the for team and the supporters and the coaches is if Stephen Cluxton needs to be available for the biggest games later in the year. And that's just the same with any older players. Just because it's Stephen, it probably gets a little bit more coverage, but he'll be back in there. And then it's a decision for, for Desi and Mick to kind of say, well, Ever Comerford's done well, and that's the risk you take as an older player. There's no guarantee, even if you are Stephen Cluxton, Ever Comerford's done well, we might go with him for, for the first championship game. And if he plays well, we've seen it last year with Dublin. Everyone is expecting, and oh, Brian Howard and Paul Mannion are going to come back and they'll start later in the year. Well, Robbie McDade and Paddy Small got their opportunity and played, and they stayed in all the way through for the whole championship. So that's for Stephen to go back in, he'll I'm sure he'll let the head down and, and work as hard as he always does. That's never going to be in doubt. And it's just a decision then for the coaches to say, will, will we put him in or will we not? So, so when Brady broke the rumour and off the ball, the Stephen so man. <laughs> you, <laughs> weren't Brady, you weren't checking your WhatsApp to check a missed message, no, right? No, between Brady and Frankie Dowell and the lads getting carried away, are they? Jesus Christ. Listen, that's, that's, my, uh, <laughs> that's my nine to six job. So we'll, we'll leave that show where it is. Um, <laughs> so... Keanu Sullivan retired this week. Um, you, you did speak about him to Joe during the week. Andy, like a, a fellow that we would have spoke about in this podcast a few times as well, the, the influence that he had on that Dublin team over the 11 years was remarkable. 
Yeah, it's funny. We actually talked about him last week and then he goes and retires. So yeah. we, we were retired. <laughs> we were, he was waiting for our bit of credit, Paddy. And then he, he, he wasn't listening to the pod. I asked him. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't subscribed yet, but he can't. Now that he retired, he'd be first. But, but, but he, um, no, like I think the most demoralizing day of my life wasn't the six All Irelands he took off everyone. It was their day at All Irelands. <laughs> it was, we were doing this gig one time. Do you know these gigs you do? You're up getting photos for the launch of some product. And I'm in there like I have a head like 50 pence and it, it, walk it, walking in. <laughs> never do a gig with uh, 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 It's never going to end well. Who, who walks in? It was like, you know, them slow-mos when the doors open and this <laughs> Greek god just walks through the door and I'm like, <laughs> get me on. Pasty white, head on me like a size six and it's just joy walks through. So that was a demoralizing day. But nah, an exceptional footballer. I thought he was... Um, do you know that every team has a bit of have the glue players like the, the guys that hold them together and he was he was definitely that glue. I, I, I used to love the actual well not love it but I used to have massive respect on the relationship and I don't know what they're like off the pitch but himself and McCarthy used to have on the pitch um, where McCarthy used to sit into six and came, like it was nearly like a telepathic thing mm. in, in the games and it was um, I think well, What do you mean? Like they just yeah, so like McCarthy would just drop in, just drop into six and all of a sudden Dublin would have a free man and you'd, you'd be kind of half looking, you'd be thinking, where did this free man come out of, you know? And McCarthy would just sit in there, he'd move forward, McCarthy moves forward and it was, they were like on a shoestring. I'd, it was probably a planned, organic kind of thing that happened with Dublin over the, I, Andy, over the I'm years. You, that's what I'm talking about in that preparation. That's hours and hours and hours of conversation and knowing the opposition and going... I guarantee you can't when you're playing a match of 80,000 people in pro park you can't hear each other so you can't communicate you can't call a guy to come mm. back so you need to be aware uh, if McCarthy's playing there this just comes back to teams playing sweepers against Dublin we'll identify go, we'll know from their team who's the guy that's going to go back that frees him up that allows Keane then to drop off and pass mm. him on that's all done without saying a word yeah. on the pitch because you can't you, you can't cannot, hear them yeah. you can't from me to two yards away you cannot hear someone with 80,000 people in Crow Park. So you need to know your job. How do you do that? Preparation, conversations, throughout, and like I say, not just one match. Like we, we'll try and do this the week we play Mayo in the honour of the final. That's from every single game you've played throughout the whole season, working to do that. And that, that's that's how it works, Andy. And, and you, you, that's a perfect example of it. And like you'd win the ball in front of Cooper, Philly, or Nick Fitz. You'd win the ball and you'd always think, right, I'm one-on-one here. And you just get the head up and you'd see this fella just, you know, just living it. And you're like, right, and you have to give it back out. Brad Pitt coming yeah, across. Yeah, Brad Pitt coming back. across, yeah. So, so it, it was just, I thought he was such an important player. Like, he's, what is he, eight All-Irelands? Like, an outstanding career. Um, from the little I know him, he, he just seems like a gentleman. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Has it all. Has it all. So anytime I've met the man, he just seems like a really good guy. And, um, you know, best luck to him and he didn't retire about 10 but, years ago. But you know what I'd say <laughs> and, and I said it to Joe the other night and just I seen his the, on Twitter on Sunday when it was announced and they listed off his, his achievements and he, the eight all Ireland's and obviously big success with Kilmico Crokes as well. 35, 35 senior medals I think. Won the All-Ireland club won All-Ireland with Dublin All-Stars and things like that. I know he's had trouble with injuries over the last couple of years um, with his hamstrings and stuff like that. He was still doing, and you know what it's like being injured, Andy, and I knew being injured, and anyone who knows whether they're a club player or, or at the highest level, 
the work you have to do to try and get on the pitch, particularly when you get older. So you're training on your own. You're training with the physios. You're doing the ice baths. You're missing out on all the, the good stuff, training with the lads and having the crack. They're going on a night out. You can't because you're training with the physios and trying to recover. He was still doing all of that. Despite all the success he had, and he was doing that because he just was so passionate about playing and getting one more go at playing in Crow Park with his mates and representing Dublin again, despite having 35, 35 seen him. Like, Jesus Christ. That is at the epitome of what Keno Sullivan was as a player, as a teammate, and just his mentality as a person. He is, we're very fortunate, grew up playing with Keane and very just proud to, to have played with him, a McConnell teammate and a friend. And um, he will be missed. And it's a sad day for any player when you can't really go on your own terms, that, that, that you don't get your, your, your final swan song. But also, I think, over the next couple of weeks, and you've seen some of the plaudits he's getting, and I'm sure with Danielle and his family and his friends, it, it's a cause for celebration as well, because it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from him over, over the past 15 years. And right up there, with, with, like you're talking about, Cluxton and McCarthy and these guys, as just integral to the success Dublin have had. There you go. Keno Sullivan, he has the medals, he has the brains, he has the beauty, he has it all, Paddy Andrews. He has it all. <laughs> so much of all the look. Yeah, he could even pull off a tash like. Oh, was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was like something out of Narcos. So now, he, he actually, the worst thing, a couple of the young lads started trying to copy him then. Bugler, <laughs> Bugler yeah, who else? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's lads getting notions though. Come on. Okay. Uh, Andy Warren, one last question for you. Let's come and go away this weekend. Mm. Who would you rather win? Oh, jeez, that's loaded. Yeah, that's a loaded question. No, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't even answer that question. Um, the game itself, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a good battle. I think yeah. there's two players who are key to it. I think, right? Maluli for Roscommon, if he's fit, is absolutely essential to Roscommon especially after Shawnee McDermott retired mm. McInerney the loss so the, that physical strength they need him to play and he drives him forward and I've mentioned him before Sean Kelly for, for goal them two guys have to play and have to play well for either one of those teams to to have a chance the next day and I, if um, Kelly's in the full back line as well is he? Oh yeah, but he's such a good transition player. That's yeah, such yeah. a good transition. He's key player. for the way they play. Yeah, he's absolutely key. And like McManus obviously scored the last point, and we criticised Goldford, mm. but he, he was he was he was excellent against Man, and he's been excellent. Like even when he came on against Kerry, uh, down in Kerry, he like he, he gives them a bit. You know, he, he's I wouldn't call him a nasty player, but he, he's not afraid of it now, and he he's good in the transition. He played wing forward. He knows how to get the ball forward, and for Walsh Conroy. And uh, these guys to to Matthew Tierney, these guys Infinity to really maximise it. They need him to drive forward. And on the Roscommon side with the Smiths and the Murtas, for them to get the ball, they need Maluli driving. And it, it's it's so evident in their play when them two guys don't play. Maluli for Roscommon and, and uh, Kelly uh, Kelly for Galway. They, they, they do lack a massive in, intensity going forward, and they lack seriously defensively. Then with not playing, you know. Can you see any shocks happening this weekend? We've got Monaghan for Mana in Ulster. We have Armagh Antrim in the Ulster quarter final. Then in the Connacht semi final, as we mentioned, Roscommon Galway. And then in Leinster, we've Leash Westmead, Mead Longford, Wexford Dublin, Kildare Offaly. Like, I suppose there'd be shocks in Ulster if, if Antrim or Fermanagh won. 
the uh, I think the the games in Leinster have a chance. They're precarious, like yeah. They're, I think that I think they've hopefully, hopefully could do yeah. something. Do you know what the, the big thing? On paper, you'd look and say Clare are obviously going to win that game to promote it to Division One, but the Clare in a similar situation to, to Galway and Roscommon, you don't know what Clare is going to turn up, and it's it's the same. Like Galway could easily win that game comfortably, I think against Roscommon if they played their best stuff and like say they'll have taken some seriously harsh lessons from losing that that relegation game against Monaghan you'd expect big performances and big improvements there like they had from, from their first day out against Kerry but you just don't know what goal is going to turn up and the same with Roscommon Roscommon we've touched on it in pods loads of talented players and then they just have this horror performance against against their man and get relegated Kildare lose to Clare at home, kind of out, outplayed by Clare. Then they go and really dominate Mead, who were favourites for that game. So mm. you just don't know that the consistency of those teams. So I think there has to be one or two shocks in the whole yeah. championship. I think for the championship's sake, we need some shocks. I think potentially you might get one from from, from Offaly. Um, I don't expect their man to slip up. I don't expect Manon to slip up. I think Galway will, will have enough. I, I think they'd have taken some serious lessons. And they were very hurt from from that Monaghan game, so we expect them to get over us coming as well. Made and Longford, I know you're you're worried, uh, Tommy, <laughs> but I I'd expect me to win that one. For, Jesus, for for me's sake, what's gone on over the last month? There, mm. There'll be no better man than Andy McIntyre to have Andy McIntyre to, and to have a siege mentality and things like that. So, um, I think it's a it's a big game for them, but I expect them to come through. I, I think the biggest problem for me and Kildare is that awfully now have two games. Yeah. with an extra time going into that so they have momentum and they ha- they'll have energy like they'll be they'll be sh- they should be sharper early doors against Kildare so they yeah. put a lead on it and then sit. it's very unlike Mon to be sitting in anyway so he's going to play attacking football and then the Longford Mead game similar Longford they have a buzz. Two, yeah they've had two great wins big wins uh, yeah. Mead's last game they won their last game a month ago so mm. they could struggle a tiny bit there but I would expect Mead to get over um Awfully, we'll go for the awfully shock against Kildare. Why not? But can we pay homage to one fellow? We, we paid it to, I suppose, we paid it to Keane there, but Niall McNamee. Um, just to like 35, I know man, give him a bit of praise afterwards. But like, again, going back to the weaker counties, like Niall McNamee was a better footballer than me. Like, absolutely, without question, kicking scores right, left foot, doing it for years upon years. Do you know, and doesn't get the chance for the. You know, the nominations and the all-stars and the banquets and all that sort of nonsense, you know, at the end of the but like what he did again last Sunday, that's 35 years of age. I know something there was ah, something else wearing white boots, do you know the influence. <laughs> like, the influence. I was, I was yeah. watching the clips, was like, is that not Mac? Long, yeah, long hair and the white boots. See, I used to pull up the socks. I used to think the socks made me look a bit faster, Paddy, but he's thinking the white boots. I tried that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but no, it no, but just, just a just an outstanding player. And he has been for so long, had a bit of difficulty half the yeah. through, and he's still like I'm telling you something, lads. It's not easy to go into a squad at 34 years of age and know that John Mann is coming up from Castlebar to coach you. Like, like you're going to be working hard. Like, and he, he must have went in there and uh, Joe got stuck in, but what a player. And, um, Joe, it, it, it'd be lovely to see him playing well again next, next weekend. 100%. 100%. Yeah, so that's episode eight of the Football Pod in the books. I promise the lads I keep this into an hour. I'm a liar. We're nearly an hour and 25 again. So uh, really enjoyed it, lads. Loads to, to get through from this week's podcast. If you're not subscribed already to the football pod, hit the subscribe button. Give us a rating. Uh, you can 
you can hit five stars if, if, you, if you fancy that and uh, let us know what you think and share the podcast on as well thanks very much Andy super Tommy Paddy thanks very much best of luck always gents yeah lovely stuff that's it episode of the football pod thank you the OTB podcast network with Get Set Go black box car insurance lets young drivers bounce past high cost premiums drive safe and save more with GetSetGo.ie a beautiful bouquet of flowers. It can say more than words ever could. To celebrate, congratulate, or just let someone know you're thinking of them. At flowers.ie, we know every bouquet is special. So every order we receive is hand-picked, arranged with care, and delivered with love across Ireland. We even send a video before it's delivered, so you know it's just right. Say it with flowers at www.flowers.ie. Rated five stars on Trustpilot.